Just before we hear our readings for today and Jenny is going to share some thoughts, we're going to take a moment just to hear from our dear friends Nathan and Sarah. Many of you will know them from the church parish and community. Nathan's been with us down at St Matt's since we first planted back before even I became vicar here. He was uh, connected to the church as a student. And Sarah, of course, daughter of Martin and Amanda Geek, been living in the parish, uh, was part of St Matt's before heading down to Exeter University as well. And since returning and getting married to Nathan and having their beautiful little child Isaac, they're very much part of our community. Many of you will also know Sarah, of course, is a very accomplished and wonderful artist. They're just going to share a little bit about an exciting adventure that they're about to step into. And we want to join with them in our hearts and our commitment to stand with them and pray for them in this season. So they're going to share a little bit of their story and perhaps invite you to participate in this new wonderful adventure. So let's hear from Nathan, Sarah and little Isaac. Hello from all three of us. Um, as many of you know, we are moving our little family to Burundi in April, which is coming about very quickly now. Um, and we would just love to involve you on the journey and share some more about that with you now. So I guess our, our journey to moving to Burundi started about five years ago. Um, when God really, in, through praying really, that God laid um, Burundi on our hearts um, and yeah, just said about how there's uh, an orphan generation, um, not just uh, physically, but also spiritually. Like one, physically, a whole generation got wiped out um, in a genocide similar to neighboring Rwanda, where sort of half a million people died in the space of a couple of years, which is obviously tragic and horrendous. Um, and has also left the country just very crippled. Um, and it's now one of the poorest in the world, it's, has been one of the hungriest and happiest. You know, it can all seem very doom and gloom. Um, I also just yeah felt also spiritually just how people in Burundi need to know about who they are um, being of sons and daughters and a loving father um, and knowing who they are in God um, um, and yeah so that sort of we really felt God's heart for that and that's one of the reasons why we I guess first went um, there five years ago um, and when we went we were amazed why it's just actually the, almost the beauty of the people of the country and what God is doing and raising up local leaders and really bringing change and transformation which is just turning away turning around all the sort of statistics and, and history um, and that has really also inspired us to keep going back um, and yeah when we first went just a bit of background just it was just amazing how god gave us all those connections and contacts um in a space of a couple of days really it was amazing mm. at the same time as when we were getting to know each other and we both went out there together exploring that um and have kept going back over the years um so it just really felt yeah like a god thing <laughs> he's very much put on our hearts led us there to go there and um we now feel it's time to I guess make that bigger step of faith um and go longer term so yeah who who are we kind of going to be running alongside um well there's there's a few people um there's uh Giordone, who many many of you know um from st matt's uh, he's come and spoken at st matt's before um and his heart really is to raise up a new generation of, of people in the country um with a a sense of hope because um, there's, there's widespread hopelessness across the nation um, through all the difficulties that it's experienced um, but also to really empower them 
to be the next generation of, of leaders and bringing about positive change. Um, so we'll be running alongside him, he's a real brother in Christ. Um, and there's uh, Melise, who's a wonderful lady at um, Bravo Ministries, which is what I will be more involved with, which is uh, a sewing um, social initiative helping bring ladies out of some quite very challenging situations um, through learning sewing as an alternative means of income and in the process being changed through a lot of discipleship and prayer which really is its heartbeat um, as well as learning business skills and life skills um, so we'll be running alongside her um, Bosco who's another brother in Christ really has a similar heartbeat to us um, and he and his lovely wife are working predominantly with uh, widows and orphans. Um, in sort of the wider scheme we'll be collected, connected with um, GLOW which is Great Lakes out, Outreach um, through Simon Gilbo um, and also Donna and Farming God's Way. So we're amazed at the network of people that God has um, given to us really, uh, open doors for us in ways that we never could have um, ourselves and um, yeah so that will be extending and, and furthering as we move. Um, so, so I guess the final question is um, what's next and how you can get, get involved and stand with us. Um, so firstly we've, we've now booked our flights and we're, we're planning to um, jump onto a plane um, on the 30th of April so that's coming around quite soon now um, and obviously yeah we, we appreciate if you could can pray with us stand with us in that way because you know it is a big step for us to move our family um, out, out of the area um, and to go to Burundi um, which especially with the challenges of Covid and all the other stuff going on at the moment as well which just adds you know extra layer to that as well but um, and yeah it's, it's a big step of faith I'll be leaving my job at the end of March um, and in, in effect we're sort of having to trust God in a, in a whole new way um, so we each appreciate yeah your prayers um, uh, for us and for our family and, and for for Burundi as well um, and then I guess the other way you know if, if you did felt led to um, support us in, in any way sort of even financially where you know we will be um, yeah, having to live a bit more by faith in, in that way um, like then please get in contact um, also if you want to keep connected we'll be sending out a newsletter every sort of month or, um, or so of just what's going on and how you can pray with us um, stand with us so again please fall on your um, email address um, to us and we, we can stay connected and, and keep you um, with our news and what's happening um, in Burundi as well. So um, we appreciate uh, your time um, and your support. Um, yeah, and we, we thank you um, for listening. Yeah, thanks for joining with us. God bless. first lesson is taken from the first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. And I'm reading from the New International Version of the Bible. Christ crucified is God's power and wisdom. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power 
of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, it's Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Here ends the first lesson. The Gospel reading is taken from the Gospel according to John 2, 13-22. Jesus clears the temple courts. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, Get these out of here! Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you're going to raise it in three days. But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord.
Hello church family. I did think about greeting you uh, as fellow fools for Christ, but I don't want you switching off now before I've even started. I want to follow on this week from Tim's sermon last week. Go back and listen if you've missed it. Tim pointed out that when we hear familiar passages like Jesus asking, who do you say I am? We're in danger of rehearsing past revelations by rote without consideration. I believe we are invited to continue seeking re fresh revelation, no matter how well versed we may consider ourselves with the answer. In today's familiar gospel reading, we see the disciples glean degrees of revelation to Jesus's identity and purpose. Through that, we gain revelation for our identity and purpose as church. On seeing the misuse of the temple, Jesus was impassioned. The zeal for his father's house consumed him. He exerted counter-cultural authority to clear out the sinful activity from the temple, to redeem its God-designed purpose. The disciples witness this extraordinary authority and passion for holiness and in, what they, and in that they find some degree of revelation of Christ, his power, his wisdom, his abhorrence at injustice. The Jews demanded to see a sign to justify his authority for cleansing the temple. The Jews want signs, the Greeks desire wisdom, but what does Jesus give them? Something utterly ridiculous and foolish. Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. This sounds like the bemused rantings of a crazed man, but what struck me this time was how it says that it is only when the disciples look back from the perspective of the cross and resurrection that they remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. The disciples witnessed Jesus' authority to sanctify in the earthly realm that day, but it wasn't until they had persevered in seeking Jesus, that fuller revelation was released. In the front of my very first Bible, I keep a quote that was attributed to a monk from the early church. It is advice for approaching the great treasure that is the Bible. He advises, he who comes into contact with some share of its treasure should not think that the only thing contained in the word is what he himself has found. He should realise that he has been able to find only that one thing from among many others. The thirsty man rejoices when he drinks, but he's not downcast because he cannot empty the fountain. Be grateful for what you have received and do not grumble about the abundance of what is left behind. What you have received is your share, what remains is your heritage. What at one time you were not able to receive because of your weakness, 
you will be able to receive at other times if you persevere. This quote came to mind because it is all about revelation and degrees of revelation that are released as we persevere, as we keep following Jesus in word and spirit. For the Jewish nation then, the temple was the place of God's presence among his people, the beating heart of their faith and worship. But by referring to the temple of his body, Jesus was effectively claiming that the cult of the temple was past. The presence of God upon earth was now embodied, not in a building, but in Christ himself. The scandal and the challenge continues today, and I wonder whether we need to seek fresh revelation of what this means for us in our new normal in the days after COVID. To look afresh from the perspective of the cross and resurrection at what it means to be church family. What might it look like if we died afresh to ourselves and to our pre-COVID ways of being church? This very much goes for St. Matt's as well as St. Thomas's. And we're built afresh as living stones to host the presence of God together for the blessing of the world. I don't have the answer, but I feel called to invite us to pray for fresh revelation. I'm reminded of an old revelation of God speaking through the prophet Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, do not let the wise boast in their wisdom. Do not let the mighty boast in their might. Do not let the wealthy boast in their wealth, but let those who boast, boast in this, that they understand and know me, that I am the Lord. I act with steadfast love, justice and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight says the Lord. A hundred years ago, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, prophetically warned the church of today. He says, the chief dangers which confront the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, Forgiveness without repentance. Salvation without regeneration. Politics without God. And heaven without hell. We, together as family of believers, are Christ's body on earth. We each are a temple for the Holy Spirit living stones being built together into a temple, God's presence among all people. Right at this very moment, wherever you are, you are in the temple that is Christ Jesus. You are dwelling in the place where the presence of God meets with his people. 
we very much need to keep meeting together. It is a biblical imperative. But perhaps we are being reminded to beware of temptation, to put our trust in empty comforts. Gathering as one body in the temple that is Christ Jesus may or may not need to function differently to what we have been familiar to. I suggest now is the time to pray and seek for another degree of revelation. Revelation that will draw us more fully into the depths of God's love for us and then overflowing in the mission of his love to others. May the scales fall from our eyes as if seeing things for the first time. And I finish with this reminder to us. Christ crucified, the temple destroyed and rebuilt in three days is the best, most beautiful, most glorious news. We are resurrection people. In proclaiming our faith in Christ Jesus, we abide in his holy, everlasting temple and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and dwells in us by his Holy Spirit. We share in his eternal victory over Satan and death. How glorious! How might God be asking us to steward this life in Christ to be a blessing to the world in this coming season? This is good, trustworthy news. There is no better news than Christ crucified. Let's take a moment to pray. Thank you, Lord, for the revelation of the wisdom and of the power of Christ crucified. We thank you for the glory of his resurrection in which we are invited to live and have our being. We pray for more revelation that our new normal may be one of salvation with regeneration in Christ. Amen. With confidence and trust at this time, let us pray to the Father. For the one holy, catholic and apostolic church across the world, let us pray to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the mission of the church, that in faithful witness it may preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let us pray to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who govern, let them bring peace to the world through a spirit of giving, respect and reconciliation. Bring God's wisdom and strength 
to their governance of nations and peoples. Let us pray to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the royal family, and particularly the Queen and Prince Philip, for all that they have given to this country and the Commonwealth, let us give thanks to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For those bringing wisdom and energy to the fight against COVID, for the scientists, the manufacturers, all the medical staff and the happy band of volunteers involved in the distribution of the vaccine, let us give thanks to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For the poor, the persecuted, the sick, and all who suffer in hospitals and hospices, in care homes and at home. We remember in a moment of silence anyone who we know and wish to pray for at this time. Bring them the healing power of God's love and give them your hope at this time. And we remember those who risk their own health to help others. Let us pray to the compassionate Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember all the school children and teachers returning to our schools tomorrow. We pray for our young people. We pray for their education and their learning and that they may feel your love around them as they return into their schools. Let us pray and give thanks to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We remember those whom we have injured or offended, and we ask for grace to amend our lives and to further the reign of God. Let us pray to the Father. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In communion with all those who have walked in the way of holiness, but worship now on another shore in another time. Bring your compassion to those who mourn. We remember now in this moment of silence all those who may be dear to us but are no longer with us. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And finally, God, our Father, in your love and goodness, you have taught us to come close to you in penitence with prayer, 
fasting and generosity. Accept our Lenten discipline and when we fall by our weakness, raise us up by your unfailing mercy through Jesus Christ our Lord. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.